GM, GM, welcome back to another episode of Web3 Academy. It is the holiday special weekly roll-up. This year is not over and crypto, Web3, it never sleeps. So we're coming at you this week with all the news to keep you up to date. I'm Jay Bird and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead. What's up, Kai? What's up, friends? If you're watching right now on YouTube, you see Jay's got his Santa hat on. I did not get mine, unfortunately. I completely forgot. It's actually packed as I'm moving today. So today is a is a wonderful day, but we're actually recording this a day early. So let's hope that no big news comes out tomorrow because we're going to miss it in the roll-up. But we still have tons nonetheless. So we're going to be talking about Trump's NFT collection. That's all I'm going to say there. We're going to talk about Visa. <laughs> <laughs> Visa is all in on the build market. They are going all in on the space, and I love it. Moonbirds experimenting with in-chain tech. We've talked a little bit about it, but now we're going to discuss like, what they're actually doing. I've got the insight on Magic Eden's rewards program, which we uh, we mentioned the other day. Twitter and Elon, always drama going on there. And then we're going to walk through the story of Web3 Academy and share our thoughts and advice for anyone building a business in Web3. So we're not going to do an of the month this time around. Instead, we are going to dive into a little bit of the story of Web3 Academy and what's up there and uh, give a little feedback and advice to the entrepreneurs of this world. And then, of course, we'll finish off with some quick hits as per usual. Going to be a great session, Jay. What are you grateful for today, though? It's our last episode of the year. It's our last episode of the year. Yeah, I am grateful for you, our listeners. We, we couldn't do this without you. I'm so grateful for every member of our community, for our podcast listeners, for our newsletter subscribers, for our partners and sponsors on the show. There's just been so much support for us in creating this show. And it's just such a joy. I can't tell you how grateful I am that I get to create this show every week and make, make content that, that helps Web3 and helps the space move forward. It's just, uh, I, I pinch myself. I, I can't believe how lucky we are, Kai. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so awesome. And uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without you. So to each and every one of you listening, Thank you. I love you. Love that, Jay. I have to second that. And I'm going to be grateful for the Web3 Academy team. Again, we're going to talk a little bit about this further later on in the show. But we've got five of us now on the team, a sixth coming soon. And, you know, just it's been an amazing experience to build this team. We've only, we launched Web3 Academy, by the way, on the day that Russia invaded Ukraine, which is February 27th, I believe. So it's still only, you know, still very new, 10 months or so. And we've come a long way and I'm excited to share that story and talk about that, but just so grateful for the team to allow us to do this, you know, week in, week out. Like you said, it's just, it's an amazing experience. It's so much fun to be able to, to share this information with all of you listeners. And we couldn't do it without our team. So grateful for the team, grateful for all of you listeners. It's a wonderful thing. All right, let's, let's jump into the news, starting with the Trump collection. <laughs> I mean, what the F is all I got to say about this. But before we do, we just got to take a minute to hear from our sponsor. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another 
with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. All right, welcome back. We got to start off the news this week with Trump's NFT collection. And what a way to end a roller coaster of a year with, <laughs> with the former president who previously said that crypto is a scam and he would never support it. What else is new? Trump is changing directions and he came out with a NFT collection. Let me just give you the lowdown on what happened here for those of you who haven't heard. So this was an, a collection of 45,000 NFTs that were the trading cards is what they're calling them. And it sold out at $99 a piece, sold out the full collection, $4.5 million in revenue coming in as a result of the sale. And then since then, I believe it's done another 4 million in post in secondary sales. So, and the royalties on this is 10%. So Trump's, Trump's made a cool five to $6 million at this point off of this. I mean, there's so many directions we could take this conversation, Kai. A couple of quick things on my part. I mean, Trump, Trump being a little bit of a sketch bag was no surprise on this one because <laughs> he, he minted 1,000 of these NFTs into his own wallet. And from those mints, he actually took 20% of the most rare NFTs. Now, it's not uncommon for projects to hold back NFTs. CryptoPunks did this when they first launched, but CryptoPunks had zero royalties. So Trump is, he's got royalties, plus he held back a thousand NFTs, plus he didn't just randomly hold back these NFTs, which is usually what these creators do. He picked the most rare ones and held back the rare ones. So I mean, it's just, I don't even, it's shocking, it, it, hilarious, fun. I mean, it's made crypto Twitter pretty fun over the past week. That's for sure. I was going to say, I don't mind that they held back some NFTs. I think that's actually a great strategy. Yeah. That's the way you should go. You definitely should not hold back 26% of the rare one of ones and 28% of the autographed ones. And But I think they said that they minted them. And so it was random. That's the weird thing. That doesn't really make sense. But maybe it was. Who knows? But I don't mind the idea of having royalties and holding back some. It's I mean, that's how you're gonna that's how you're gonna make your money in the long term. But ultimately, I don't know. What do you think about this drop? Jay, what's your opinions? Okay, first we we, we gotta talk about the art. Cause the art, so this was billed as the art based upon the life and work of Donald Trump. And I don't know who who out there thinks that Donald Trump has been to the moon or that he was a cowboy or that he's jacked like Superman, or that he has laser eyes. Like, it makes no sense that this was built upon his career and his life work. This art is just awful. It's horrendous. It is so bad. And that's that's one of the main things that you're buying here, is you're buying, they, they said these are trading cards. You're buying these limited edition pieces of art. Now, there is some utility, and we can talk about what that utility is in a sec, but like, the art was just so atrocious. And to top it off, a bunch of people looked into the art and realized that it was it was stolen art. So there's one where he's a cowboy and the cowboy jacket was taken from Shutterstock. And some of the art still has word, has has the, the watermark the Shutterstock watermark on it. Like it's just this is crazy. 
Yeah, I the art is terrible. I'm not gonna lie, and I don't understand why anyone would ever want to hold a, a trading card or an NFT of of Donald Trump, let alone like anyone really. Unless I get it for athletes, but anyway, <laughs> is there utility with this, or what's going on here? Like, what's the purpose of what he's doing here? And I guess the other thing to say is it's not necessarily Trump doing this. It's a company that's doing it all for him. Mm -hmm. it gives me the vibes of the company that did it for like Ty Lopez. And what was the other one? There was one recently that didn't really, I don't even think it launched. Sylvester Stallone, I was told, mm -hmm, at the same mm -hmm. company. So it's a company that's doing this. And I feel like they just have kind of a playbook that they do. But anyway, is there, is he building community? Or what is he really doing here? Do you know? So I, nothing on the community side that I, I mean, he could build community with this, but I haven't seen, there's no discord. There's no access to community, but there is, there is utility. So you get entered into a sweepstake if you own one of these. And he says, I mean, this website is just hilarious. Thousands of prizes for this sweepstake. And so let me tell you what you can win. You can win dinner with Donald Trump. You can win a one-on-one -on -one meeting with him, which I believe is on Zoom. You can win golf at one of his golf courses, which he he claims is you know the most beautiful golf course in the world. You can win hand signed memorabilia. Apparently, there's a gala in Florida that you can attend. So there there is some it's, it's access. It is access. And look, a lot of people probably value access to the 45th president. I guess so. <laughs> what's interesting though is you can actually look on chain. So there's a lot of people that immediately were like, okay, what's going on here? They looked on chain and they could see who were the people that were actually minting this stuff, which is interesting. And I, I think the coolest stat from all this, so there was about 12.7 or something thousand like unique people that actually minted these because obviously some people minted more than one. Mm -hmm. And of that 12,000, 9.7 of them held no Matic or no ETH in their wallet. This was minted on Polygon. So it was Matic and then wrapped ETH actually, which that sort of tells you that it was probably their first time. And actually, I think many of them purchased with their credit card. So it tells you it's a lot of actually new users, which makes sense. I think Trump's following is probably not the most innovative crowd and probably not the Web3 native crowd. 76% of people who minted this were what we're assuming are crypto newbies. First time with a wallet, first time with an NFT. So that's, that's interesting and I guess a net positive for the industry. But I mean, overall... I don't know. Do you think that this is the, the playbook for creators and people who have big followings? Is this what we do? We, we mint collections, we bring them in, we gamify it a little bit where they can win some stuff. And I don't know, maybe he builds community around this. What do you think? It's, it's is a this, great is question. Is this the future of Web3? <laughs> I certainly <laughs> hope this isn't the future of Web3. <laughs> well, okay. We talk a ton about tokenize your, your community and the value in that. Mm -hmm. Now, in this case, this was billed as a trading card, a digital collectible trading card product, which I have no idea. It, it feels like the marketing of this was done by somebody who was not even involved in Web3 or not even involved in the project. And they were just, they made a website that was like, okay, use every buzzword possible to get people yeah. to buy this, right? right? So the art sucks. So you didn't buy this for the art. Now, you bring up a good point though. Are we going to see more celebrities and large influencers launch NFT collections in order to give access to themselves? You know, people value access. They want one-on-one -on -one calls. We know Zeneca, for example, launched 333 Club, which is a token gated community where if you hold that NFT, you get to have access to his calendar and you can book meetings with him. And the floor on that is 10 ETH right now. So 
Yeah, you know, know what I'm. At first, I was like, I don't really get it. But you know what's interesting? He had his Twitter banned. And so all of his access to his Twitter followers were gone. It's back now. Mm-hmm. He lost access to all of them. Well, he now has four. Well, I don't know how many wallet addresses interact with this. I think he said 12,000 something. Those can't go anywhere. So mm-hmm. I guess there's a benefit. And now, look, doesn't matter what you think of Trump or whatever. Obviously, this is super cringe for the industry. But I, I guess maybe that's, his, I don't know if that's his intention or not. I don't know if he actually understands it that well. But I, I just see that as a benefit for someone who's had their accounts taken down across multiple platforms. Small mm-hmm. amount, 12,000, but still. Anyway, what, net positive or net negative for the industry overall? What do you think? <laughs> I, got, I got to go net negative. I got to go net, net negative. negative. It's just, I don't want, I don't want this to be a playbook that others try to repeat. And that's all we're going to see now is a bunch of copycats that try and do this. And it's not a good thing. To me, it just feels like a cringe launch. Like we had so many in 2021 of just like random Mm -hmm. people just launching things just because they had a big following and they could make some money from it. Now, I don't think he cares about the money. Like 5 million is not a lot for Trump. So I just don't really get why this is happening. It's such a surprise to me, but I don't know why I continue to be surprised in this space because just the weirdest things always happen. I would say it's... If he wins presidency in 2024, it's a net positive. <laughs> we get to say the president of the United <laughs> States has an NFT collection. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you just manifest Trump being president again? Uh-oh. I'm not saying I want him to win. I'm just saying if he wins, <laughs> it could be a net positive for the industry. Like it, anyway. it gives, like you said, it gives it, 2021, it gives me like pixel mom vibes. Yes. Right. It, like, it is. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Ty it, Lopez vibes is what it gives me. If yeah. I saw that stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know. This isn't the reason why we're building Web3. No, no. But that's for sure. Gosh, you know what? Net positive for the good laughs and for the way it puts a cap on a wild year. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is. could anybody have predicted that, you know, the FTX and Luna and Trump launching an NFT would be the big highlights of, yeah. of 2022? Let's, let's wrap up this year, put a bow on it. Throw it in the garbage and let's move on in 2023. At least this wasn't in 2023. That would have been brutal. I'm okay, glad we I can never talk about this again. Yeah, I can't <laughs> talk about Trump anymore on this podcast. So we're moving on to Visa. All right. <laughs> okay. What's going on over at Visa, Kai? All right. Here's some real good news. And this stuff we don't have to throw out in the garbage. This is really cool. So Visa announced yesterday that they are experimenting with reoccurring payments in self-custodial wallets on ZK rollups. That's a lot of big words, and <laughs> that means Visa's doing some smart things. Visa's been involved in crypto for a while now. They're they're really big on this space, and you know they're but they're not just using it, integrating into it like let's say Instagram is or Twitter is. They're actually trying to innovate and move this space forward, and that's really to me the big news here and what's really cool. So, what Visa recognizes one of Visa's biggest business models and biggest use cases is obviously exchanging value from one party to another. And the way they do this is through subscriptions. This is one of the biggest things that they enable is reoccurring payments. Everyone right now in the world that has any reoccurring payment pretty much is done via a credit card. And I don't know what percent that is, but a large percentage is Visa. And so this is a big part of their business model. And what they've realized is that this is not easy to do. If not, it's not even possible right now in crypto using blockchain, right? When you have blockchain, there's a lot of different kind of layers that go into this to allow reoccurring payments. Now, probably the one farthest along in this is Unlock Protocol, one of our sponsors. So kudos to Unlock. They have been doing this via an NFT. So if you want to use reoccurring payments, you basically have to sell your product as an NFT and that NFT can issue reoccurring payments. It's not native to the blockchain itself or to like your custodial wallet. You can move that around. 
Now, what Visa is trying to do is actually make this a functionality that exists in the wallet itself. And the way they're doing this is through what's called account ab abstraction. And so basically the difference here is account abstraction is using a smart contract as your wallet. So if you've ever used Gnosis Safe or Argent, these are like, they call them vaults, but these are just a smart contract which holds your assets rather than a non-custodial wallet plugging into the blockchain. And so the reason this is cool is because smart contracts are programmable. So you can do more things with them. You have more freedom. And um, in some instances, there's also some limitations to this. But so this allows them to do reoccurring payments, which they have done. And what's really cool is Visa's not just doing this on some random blockchain. They're actually doing this on ZK rollups. And ZK rollups are kind of like the the far end of the spectrum of tech, the farthest of the future of where the tech is going, the newest but most innovative tech. And that's where they're actually building this on and doing this with, which is pretty amazing to see. And so Visa is playing around with the greatest tech probably to come out of, of, of blockchain. And they're actually trying to innovate and build off of it and create standards in it. And that to me is just absolutely amazing. So kudos to Visa. Let's hope they can make it happen. But we need this because honestly, just to wrap up, subscription payments, recurring payments is one of the biggest things that we do for commerce on the internet right now. Every big company does this. And until we get this in crypto, a lot of companies cannot move their products over here. Netflix does not move to crypto and using mm -hmm. crypto until they can have recurring payments because their whole business model relies on it. Amazon Prime, same thing, right? You think of, I mean, how many businesses, I think it was, we had a stat when we were in our Discord today with the community it was 80% of Americans use subscriptions. And I mean, even us, like we have moved over to Substack with our newsletter and our pro product that's coming out soon requires a subscription. All the companies that are on Substack right now, they require subscriptions and a lot of Web3 and crypto is on Substack and they can't use crypto because you need a reoccurring payment. It's such a pain in the ass to not have that. And so we need this to bring a lot of the world's business over to Web3 and crypto. So it's, it's a big move and we need Visa to, to build this out. Yeah, I think that this is deep nerd stuff. This is the <laughs> infrastructure layer of the new monetary system that we're building with crypto. But you nailed it. We need to be able to do certain things that we can do right now in terms of business models. And one of the most important ones is recurring payments. And until we can do that, we won't get more people on. And Visa's really leading the way. What I loved about this was that this came out of a internal Visa hackathon. So Visa had a hackathon with all their team members to talk about how do we advance crypto? And this was one of the winning projects out of that. And as you said, they're participating in the composability of blockchain. And they're doing this, this actually account abstraction was a EIP proposal, an Ethereum improvement proposal from I think like a year ago. Years ago, yeah. And and nobody really did anything with it. It's just kind of sat dormant. And now here we are. And Visa, of all people, is jumping in and saying, hey, we want to we want to use account abstraction as a way to build out the tech for recurring payments. That's I mean, that's amazing. And we need we need more businesses like Visa. And I mean, let's be honest, the reason Visa is doing this is they see that if recurring payments happens and they are not part of that, they lose big time. Yeah. I wonder how they, if they figure this out, how they monetize it though. I mean, I guess maybe there's a way that they can integrate their credit card payments and things into it. I'm not sure. Like they can integrate their existing business model into this. I don't know how they'll do it. We'll find out. But speaking of composability, this is not composable whatsoever. Twitter 
And Elon, <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know if they've actually continued to go through with this or not, but basically what Elon has announced and Twitter has announced is that you can no longer share links to Facebook posts, Instagram posts, Linktree, all these different things to other platforms, essentially. Some of them are excluded, but most of them are, are part of this. This is causing a stir in crypto Twitter, of course. This is causing a stir just on Twitter in general, people getting pissed about it. And I just, it makes me think about Lens Protocol, which is just the complete opposite, right? In Twitter's instance, they want to make a worse user experience for us, right? If you're a creator, if you're a user, Sometimes you want to see content somewhere else. If I want to see video, maybe I don't want to watch video on Twitter, or maybe just they don't even have that capability. And now they're making it harder for us to share our content on different platforms, which already sucks. The fact that we have to use all these different platforms and post content on different platforms, this makes it even harder. And so it's just a, it's an obvious move, I think, for corporate America, right? These kind of companies to one push more profits to their business in doing so, making it a worse experience for us. And that's really how the internet was built. That's web two in a nutshell. And it's just funny to, to think about what Lens is doing, which is let's create this fully open interoperable standard where you can post anywhere and it's open anywhere. And it's not about, you know, keeping people on one app. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, the difference is hilarious, but I, I, I kind of understand why Twitter's doing it. I mean, ultimately Twitter is a business that is not making money. And so for everyone out here that uses Twitter and likes Twitter, Elon's got to make these moves to, to make this business profitable. And so like, he's got to do what you got to do because of the walls and the way that we've built Web2. These are the things you have to do. But it's just funny to see the difference between Web2 and Web3. From the lens of Web3, this, this sucks. This makes no sense. This isn't what we want. But from the lens of a private business that was just purchased for $44 billion and is right. not profitable. This makes total sense, right? right? You know, you're sitting there, you're Elon and the team. You're like, well, we, we've built this amazing platform that we're not making revenue from. We're allowing everybody to move off our platform. Well, you guys can't link off our platform anymore. And boom, now you're going to stay within our platform. It also fits with other things that Twitter's talking about launching. They're talking about launching video. They're talking about doing more within their own platform. So yeah, I, I, I get it from their perspective. It's and also just very confusing because it appeared like they put this policy up and then they took it down. And I don't I can't even keep track of I have no what idea what's going on. Well, they also like, said that if you want to post off platform and share links, then you need to be on Twitter blue. So you need to pay the $8 whatever it is a month. I get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you it's if it, you want to advertise your stuff on a different platform, you probably should pay for that. Yeah. And the only people that care, like this for the average user, they don't really care. The people that care are creators and businesses, the ones that are using Twitter, which is free to make a bunch of money. So I don't mind it. I think, look, I think Lens is going to solve this anyway, or something like Lens. But for now, it's, it's a smart business move, you know? And I want Twitter to stay around. So do what you got to do, Elon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to Moonbirds. Moonbirds is experimenting with in-chain art. So as you might remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. At the end of November, Proof, which is the business that owns Moonbirds, announced that Moonbirds art was moving in-chain. Now, in-chain was their word to differentiate between truly in-chain art versus currently we, we say that most NFT projects are on-chain, but the truth is the majority of NFT projects, only the token is on-chain, but the art is stored off-chain in a centralized server somewhere where only the creator has the key 
and it basically enables the creator to be able to change your art as they please. If they wanted to do anything to your art, they could. So now what we're seeing is Moonbirds is experimenting and playing with this tech, which I think is super exciting to see because we're really talking about the blend of culture and tech here. And that's what Moonbirds ecosystem is all about. You know, obviously I'm a holder, so I'm a big supporter of their project, but let me just tell you what the, this allows you to do, what they've done here. So they've done two things. If you have a Moonbird and you have moved your Moonbird to be in chain, you can log in to your collector platform, which is, exists within Proof, and you can do one of two things. One, if your Moonbird is nested, you can prove that your Moonbird is nested by changing the background of your Moonbird. And this is all done in chain. So because I've done something with my NFT, my NFT now is dynamically changed. Or because Moonbirds is a big fan of XCopy, if you own a XCopy Max Payne NFT and you have that NFT in the same wallet as your Moonbird, well, then you can change the background of your Moonbird to a custom XCopy background. So have what you moved your Moonbird on chain, Jay? I have, but I can't change you my did. background because I am, I moved it in chain, Kai. Come on. It, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is, man, language is so tough. Got it. And Moonbird's got well so done. much backlash for this in chain, on chain thing. But I get it. They're trying to differentiate. Good for you. Right. But my, my, my cold wallet is, is at home <laughs> and I'm not at home right now. So I can't do this switch. Oof. But what is, to me, what's really exciting about this, we talk a lot about dynamic NFTs right? We had Michael Robinson on the podcast a few months ago from Chainlink Labs. We talked about the impact of dynamic NFTs. We've talked about during the World Cup, Bud, Budweiser did a campaign where you could buy an NFT and it would change based upon mm. the score in the game, right? So there's so much around dynamic NFTs, but here's the problem. Right now, only the creator has the access to make your NFT dynamic. Right. So in the Budweiser case, their centralized team is changing the NFT as the score changes, right? It's not in chain. So I see what Moonbirds is doing here. And I really see big use cases for this. If we think about more of our activity moving in chain and we want to flex and show off that, I don't know, let's say I want to flex that I went to NFT NYC. Well, because I went to NFT NYC, maybe one of my other communities decides that my NFT is going to change and I now have a new background or I now have something different that I can show off. So I think that we're going to see a lot of very interesting use cases come out of this. And the fact that it's in chain is just, it makes it so much, it's simpler, it's easier. Well, it's, and it's yeah, it, it depends on what the use of the nft is sometimes you might want the creator to change it mm -hmm. sometimes you might need a like in the dynamic nft with budweiser for example probably neither the creator or the owner needs to change it but it should be a you know they're probably using graph protocol to figure out the live score or the feed of the game and so it auto does it so in this case a robot makes the changes for you in some use cases the owner of it should be able to change it so yeah it just depends and there's going to be so many different reasons why we use nfts that we're not even thinking of today and so definitely the technology is needed. There's no doubt in my mind. It's cool. Yeah, super exciting to see you. Okay, let's talk about Magic Eden. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Actually, sorry, last week. Magic Eden teased 
a new reward reward loyalty program. And then actually the day that we recorded last week, right after we recorded, they launched the program. So let's give you guys the details. We want to make sure you guys are up to date on what's going on here. And then I think we got some interesting takes on this program. So this program basically has five tiers of rewards. So you will, based upon how much you buy or sell on Magic Eden, you get points that move you up these tiers. And so the rewards for this, and this is what's I think most interesting about this program is that the rewards are different than most rewards programs. And Kai, I know you got a take on this that you want to share with us. So the rewards in this case is loot boxes is basically what Magic Eden has called them. So you could get NFTs from a specific project. You could get a, a discount on a future NFT. You could get whitelist access on a future NFT. So by you getting points for purchasing or buying or selling on Magic Eden, then you will have access to other projects in their ecosystem, advanced access, free access, and whatnot. So it's a way for them to both promote their creators and highlight them and support them, but then also give reward back to their uh, users. The reason that I love this is, you know, giving incentives and giving things away, whether we think of those as airdrops or we think of the step to earn, like we had with step in, or we think of play to earn, like we've had with games. This is, these are all amazing marketing tactics to bring someone in to use an application or to do whatever. Right. And the problem with it, though, over the last few years, what crypto has done is that they're giving away too much of the same thing. So they're inflating the like that currency, let's call it like everything in crypto, right, is some sort of asset. And the way that assets are valued on open markets is by the amount of buyers and the amount of sellers. And the problem that we've seen in the history of crypto so far is that you airdrop all your ENS tokens or you airdrop you know, or you give away a bunch of Axie or you give away whatever, right? This is what we've seen as the playbook so far. And every time these airdrops happen, these giveaways happen, the tokens just plummet in price. Why? Because people don't care to hold these tokens. They're just trying to take the value from it. They're trying to extract value. And so there is no reason for people to hold on to them. So there's not enough buyers. And so looks rare token, when they did the same thing, token tanked, right? Every single token that has ever done an airdrop has tanked afterwards. And that's why, because you're giving away the equity, the whatever of this thing, and people are going to sell it. What's amazing about this is instead of giving away all the NFTs or all of the whatever to Magic Eden tokens, they're taking a little bit from every project. I don't know if it's every project, but a bunch of different projects. And so they're not inflating or overinflating anything. Instead, they're just like giving one or two or a few from each project, which is great marketing. It's not mm -hmm. enough of a giveaway from each project that is going to impact the price. And so you're kind of finding that balance, which is really, really great. And so it's this beautiful like idea of incentivizing and giving value, but not giving too much of the same type of value that mm -hmm. that thing becomes no longer valuable, right? So it's, it's actually really smart. I wasn't expecting this and I'm excited to see how it plays out. We showed a chart last week uh, and it'll be coming out in, in Web3 Academy Pro in the coming weeks in January of... You know, when Looks Rare started giving up Looks tokens, they're just, it went insane. Blur, when they started airdropping their tokens, it went insane, right? And so let's see how this happens. This one's different. It's not a token, um, mm -hmm. but it's, well, it is a token. It's an NFT. So let's see what happens. I'm, I'm excited to see this one play out. 
But like you said, it's not a fungible token as most rewards programs have done, which is you pointed out, that's not really sustainable, right? Right. You know, because the thing I don't get is how many times can you do that? So Blur, for example, is doing their third airdrop, I believe, in Q1 of 2023. So what are you going to do? You're just going to do another airdrop every quarter? What are we, the central bank of the United States? Yeah, you're just going to (laughs) inflate your token like crazy and push it down to zero, the value. So uh, this is, this seems to be, this is the first example of a rewards program where it feels sustainable. And I was just going to say on sustainability, they can keep doing this one because the price token's not going to go down, but it also just continues to market new projects. So long (laughs) as they have new people minting on their platform, they, this is, it just continues and continues and everyone is happy. There's never a point where this becomes, okay, it's no longer good. So long as they have new people, if at any point they don't have enough new projects coming on, then eventually they'll have to give away too much of one project and that's the problem. But I mean, we assume we have many, many years of growth in the NFT space, so. And and what what else does that show that, so if you're a marketplace, you have you have two customers basically, you have the creators, the sellers, and then you have the buyers. And in the case of most of these programs, they are rewarding the buyers by saying, if you buy on our platform, then we'll airdrop you tokens, right? But in this case, they're actually supporting both sides of their ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're allowing their NFT creators to have a marketing tool, as you said, to reach the buyers. Let me just tell you about one more thing about this program quickly, because I do think this is very interesting. And this is something that's coming out in 20 in 2023. So as part of this rewards program, Magic Eden has also been experimenting with their fee. So when the whole royalty debate started happening and Magic Eden was losing a ton of market share to zero fee markets, they made fees optional on Magic Eden. So you could choose whether you wanted to pay the royalty or not. And that's basically what they've done. And they've removed their 2% fee. So they said, we're not, we're no longer going to take a fee for a time. And they now have said that that 2% fee, they won't take it until January is when they'll start taking it again. But when they start taking it again, they're going to share it with people involved in this, in this loyalty program. So Mm. if you have high levels of rewards, if you go to like, let's say their fifth tier of the rewards program, because you're a very active buyer or seller then you will get a percentage of the fee that they take on secondary sales. And they've said you can get up to 45% of this fee. So they're encouraging you as a user to continue to use the platform because if you continue to use the platform, it's almost like this is their way of doing the airdrop, right? Instead of putting money in your pocket by doing an airdrop, they're putting money in your pocket by sharing the fee with you. A rev share. It's like cash rewards for your credit card. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ca- yeah. the credit cards where you just get money back. That's exactly, totally. if you use it, that's that's basically what they're doing. A lot, they're doing that plus kind of like an air miles where like you earn points and then you can get things from their vendors, right? Now it's mm-hmm. different because in this instance, it's actually way better because the NFTs are actually on Magic Eden, whereas Air Miles is just like third party, go use airlines, but it's nothing to do with it kind of thing. But yeah, interesting dynamics. They're, they're really bringing a lot of the Web2 models into one here, which is super cool. Bullish on Magic okay. Eden. When, when token. Really, yeah, really, really <laughs> stoked about it too. Okay, we just got to take a minute to hear from our sponsor, but stick around because after this, we're going to talk about 
a little review on Web3 Academy, what we learned this past year and where we're going for the next year. And we got some quick hits coming at you. A lot of onboarding happening in the space. So rare onboarding a lot. We're going to talk about Decentraland, doing land rentals, some very interesting stuff coming up. So stick around and we'll see you in a minute. Unlock Protocol is the NFT membership protocol for Web3. Content subscriptions, community access, event tickets are all forms of memberships, one of the most common business models for creators and entrepreneurs today. Building an NFT membership opens many new possibilities for your members. Everything from tailored multi-platform experiences to the ability to sell an unfinished subscription on secondary markets. These are things just not possible in Web2. However, in order for this business model to work, Creators need NFTs, which are time-bound or have built-in recurring payments. Unlock Protocol does this for your NFTs. Better yet, with a few simple steps, you can create your own NFT contract without code. What WordPress has done for websites, Unlock Protocol is doing for membership NFTs. If you're an NFT creator, you can't rely on royalties as they are likely going to zero. You need recurring revenue you need unlock at web3 academy we believe nft memberships are the future of business and community and that's why we decided to build on unlock learn more at unlock-protocol.com all right guys welcome back we are going to dive into the story of web3 academy and the growth here and just give some of our advice and the things that we've learned through our experiences here to other entrepreneurs in the Web3 space. So if you're new to Web3, we launched on February 27th. Terrible day to launch a new business because it was also the day that Russia decided to invade Ukraine. And so I wouldn't recommend it, but we, we've we pushed along and we actually only launched a podcast at that point. About a month later, we decided that we needed a newsletter and that would be useful. So we launched a newsletter as well. And then three months after that, we were like, who the heck are all these people listening to our podcast from our newsletter? We don't get to talk to them. We have no idea who's listening to this stuff. It was very weird. And we're like, we need to talk to these people. And so we decided, hey, you know, what does Web3 do? We try to build community. So let's launch a Discord, see what happens. That was probably one of the coolest things we did because we got to understand who the people were that were, you know, listening and consuming this for the last few months. And so we got to meet many of you that are listening today. So up until this point today, we now have 25,000 downloads a month, a little over that on a monthly basis. And that's been growing every month, which has been cool to see. We were one of the top 5% podcasts on Spotify, which is really, really cool. We've hit over 6,000 newsletter subscribers and our Twitter went from zero, didn't exist. I don't even remember when we started it to almost 10K. I think we're about 900 followers away from getting to 10K. So that was really cool. So the growth has been great. We've been able to meet so many people and learn so much ourselves from this. But I think what's great when we think of Web3 Academy, which is a business, we need to hire a team in order to do this content. We need revenues. Well, we happen to have our first sponsor come in with Lens Protocol in September. So about, what is that, six months into the business, I believe, Jay? Mm -hmm. uh, or so. And then we had our second come along with Unlock in November. So we're super grateful for them. They've been amazing to help us learn the space, understand the space, and, uh, and obviously allowed us to hire our team, which our team now consists of five. We have a writer, Miles. We have a 
social media shit poster, Raul. We have a media production guy, or what do we call him in that one? Production boy, which is Tigal, we call him, or Tyler. And then Jay and I as, as the hosts, and we actually are looking to hire one more, probably starting in January, which we are excited for as well for our new product, Web3 Academy Pro. It's been a hell of a year, Jay. Anything you want to add on that side of things before I just want to ask a couple questions, but anything to add there? Yeah, I think it's not a lot to add. You, you hit all the main numbers. It's just, it's remarkable. It's remarkable to, to step back and it's a reminder of the importance of reflection and looking back and we've come so far and I'm so excited about the future. And I think the one thing to note is this growth has happened in a time where this industry is shrinking in terms of new people coming into the space, right? Obviously it's much smaller than it, that it was back in 2021 and in 2021. So let's ask this question, Jay, when we reflect on this last you know 10 months or so that we've been doing this. What do you think are the key things, the key reasons why Web3 Academy has succeeded as it has? And maybe what are the things that, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a founder of this company that we could have done better in this in this early stages? Yeah, great questions. So to the first question, I mean, the second question, there's many things we could do better. But uh, let's start with the first question. I think that a couple of things that are great lessons for entrepreneurs. First is start before you're ready. Kyle had done a podcast before. So Kai, you had experience with podcasting. I'd never done a podcast before. And I was nervous as shit in the beginning. You know, butterflies yeah. in my stomach before every show. I Jay's, so... Jay's pits were sweating. Man, <laughs> the, the, the swass going on in my chair, it's like sitting in a pond before every show. <laughs> I don't know if that's appropriate to say on this show, but hey, right. so I think it's a good reminder to just produce, just put mm -hmm. out content and start going because you will never be ready. You will never have perfect answers. You'll never have the perfect site, the perfect intro. It was about just producing content. So that was the first thing, you know, even things like our logo and our brand, like, very simple in the beginning, right? You know, pick a color, pick a typeface, boom, logo, let's roll. So keep it simple and just start to create a product and get it in front of people as fast as you can, because that's mm. how you feedback. So that was the first thing. The second thing I would say is be consistent. So we have now produced three podcasts a week for 10 months. That is a big part of our success is we have just committed to consistency. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you're exhausted, you're tired, you're not necessarily, you know, you're coming in, you're trying to prepare, you're trying to do your best, but it's tough. It's tough to create that, to have that level of consistency. But that is the biggest thing that learns leads to your success because you get to learn through experience, right? Mm. You learn if you're producing that much and you're just, you keep going at it, you learn pretty quickly what works and what doesn't work. Before you answer the what can we do better, I love those answers, by the way. And I actually just want to I want to jump on one for a second. It's not just about being ready in terms of understanding what's going to be the product in the business and blah, blah, blah. Like you said, we didn't even like our logo has changed. Everything has changed, right? When we originally first launched, we just knew that Web3 was a spot that we wanted to be a part of. The mm -hmm. other thing I would say is like we launched before we were even knowledgeable in this space. But mm -hmm. I think what was cool about that is we said, let's just launch, not try to be the experts, but let's try to become an expert. And while we're doing that, we will teach along the way. Let's just be curious. And so I think that's another big 
lesson is that you don't have to be an expert yet. You can start creating content, even if you're just figuring it out. And actually that's the best time to do it is use the creation of your content to learn, right? Like, mm -hmm. especially if you're younger and you're in school right now, every day you go to school and you learn something new, post about that in whatever mm -hmm. industry or whatever like topic you want to do. Like that is the best time to start creating content. Not once you've figured it all out. It's actually as you're learning because it's just more efficient that way. But yeah, consistency and just start is 100% best advice. Well done, Jay. Anything you would do better? Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything off the top of my head that I would do better, like other than like a bunch of little things, but I'm trying to think of, do you have anything that is sort of like a... I don't think I could have done it better because I've just had to learn as we've gone. But the thing I wish I was better at was building community. I think it's the thing, it's, it's probably the other thing I would say that helped us succeed is that we did focus on community. It was more accidental. We had no idea why or whatever, because it was months ago. We were just like, I don't know, everyone keeps talking about community. Let's just like get everyone to discord. And that has been monumental for what we've done because we've just learned so much about who our listener is, who are the people in this space, what kind of content do they want? You know, we've had a DAO that spun out of our community, which has been amazing. So just like that, that has been awesome. I just wish I was better at it or our team was better at it because it, I just see so much value from it, but it's just something that is so difficult. And I mean, when we first launched, I had no idea what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. now I'm starting to understand it, learn it more. We've done some masterminds with the community, which has been amazing. So I don't think I could have done it any better, but I do wish we started it sooner and like we were better at it from the beginning, but that's just a mm -hmm. hopeful wish. And, and, and just to build on that, the, the, the ways in which I think we could have done community better would have been to, to build slowly. Yeah. So not to, we got a thousand people in our community very quickly. And as a result, we had a thousand different opinions, a thousand people looking for different things and it became chaotic. Whereas had we, had we built one person at a time, you know, had we had it be a closed community where you had to attend a meeting in order to get access, where we got to meet you and you got to meet us and we got to ask you questions and learn about you and why you were joining, that would have probably been the biggest thing that I think could have helped us. In right. The yeah. Because we had to like transition to start doing that way later. Exactly. And at that point, we had, there was already so many people that came in. Yeah, I agree completely. If you're looking to build community, it is not about scale. That's for sure. Uh, well, or actually, that's how you do scale. Okay, last question then as we uh, as we finish up this section is what are you excited for for the next year? So we're 10 months in, you know, we got a week left in 2022. What are you excited about for 2023 with Web3 Academy? Man, I'm excited about so much. I'm excited about where the space is at because I think that we are standing on a foundation that has taken years to build and although it might from the media's perspective seem like a really shaky foundation. That's only because of a few black swans that unfortunately all happened in the same year, which is crazy. But on the whole, we are at a point where I believe next year, there's going to be tens of millions, many tens of millions, hundreds of millions onboarded. We've got some major things happening in the space, major brands, Starbucks, Reddit, really growing Nike, all these things are happening. So I think, and the real utility is coming. And now that everyone's been washed out on the trading side, we can focus on the business. So that's what I'm excited about from the space. In terms of us, I'm most excited about, we are now positioned to bring on the biggest guests in the space and 
help you as our listener understand more of the how-tos and the step-by-steps of what these biggest companies are doing and how you can model your business or your, yourself as a creator or the way in which you use Web3 will be able to give you better models to use that are real practical guides. And that's, that's what I'm most excited for. What about you, Kai? Yeah, I think for me, the the cool thing about this year is a lot of our content was around just trying to understand concepts and theories and like where this is going. You know, we're always trying to like, is this a good idea? Is it not? Blah, blah, blah. And we're just sort of like thinking about it. And the more I've dove into this space and understand, and now the more things that, like you said, have launched with Reddit and Starbucks mm-hmm. and all this stuff, we can actually go and look and see what has worked. It's no longer what mm-hmm. will work, although we're still definitely doing that. But now there is enough and there's becoming enough information that we can go and say, what did work? You know what I mean? In 2022. And we can do that without asking the companies, although we do that for the podcast, we can also just go and look at it on chain. And that to me is why I keep talking about this pro thing that's coming out. I've been diving deep into it for the last two months. And I'm just like, holy shit. I didn't realize how cool this is, how much data there's and how much you can actually understand about community, about Mm -hmm. business models, about these concepts that we're thinking about at music NFTs, content NFTs, you know, all this stuff, we can just look on chain and see what our users actually doing. And that is mind blowing to me. And so I'm really excited to launch Web3 Academy Pro, which is coming out Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of January. And I think this is going to be, I hope to make it the best resource in Web3 to understand which businesses, business models and concepts in Web3 are winning. And Mm -hmm. it's no longer about theorizing or just speculating on this stuff, it is now let's actually look and see what's working and what's not. And I know there's some that do this mainly in the DeFi space. I'm excited to bring this to Web3, to social, to all these kind of things and really get to the nitty gritty. So I learned so much 2022. Now with this on-chain stuff, I think we're just going to learn so, so much more. So I'm, I'm just excited to see where this goes. Yeah. And as you said, it's no longer speculation on our part, yeah. right? Yeah. Or Or trust in these companies saying that there certain things are happening. Now it's proved, it's proven, it's proof. It's here is the real data and here's what's actually Verify. happening. Yeah. So man, I'm just so excited, bro. This is this yeah. is so much fun. This is just yeah. I feel like, you know, pinch me. I'm living in a dream. <laughs> okay, Jay, should we wrap up with a few quick hits? What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. We're gonna go real quick on these. You got only 30 seconds, okay? First up. Sports continues to be a big driver for onboarding into Web3. Yeah, this was cool. So, so rare. They saw 585,000 new signups to their platform during the 2022 World Cup. So rare is like a, a fantasy sports platform that is that is Web3 enabled. So they use like NFTs and they incorporate them in there. 585,000 new people came because they had a World Cup fantasy league. I think if you scroll down, Jay, in that league, there was 27,000 different leagues 608,000 people played. So a pretty big deal, to be honest. And just to me, the big takeaway is every time a big event happens in this world, someone does something with Web3 for that event and it always onboards new people. So we're just every every day, we're onboarding new communities into the space. And really it's getting new people wallets and it's going to happen from so many different angles. And that's the coolest, coolest thing for me. Okay, uh-huh. next up, Decentraland published a guide on land rentals in its marketplace. Yeah, this is super interesting because we've talked a lot about the metaverse and all these land sales that happened in the metaverse. We haven't talked about it in a few months, but back in the summer, there was all these massive land sales. 
of metaverse land. And it was this question of like, why are you selling land in the metaverse? And is that a good thing? Well, here's Decentraland coming out with their tech to support land rentals. Now, I'm not going to get into the conversation of whether land rentals in the metaverse is a good thing or a bad thing. But in order for land sales to work, you have to be able to rent your land. The only reason that we buy land in the real world is because it's an asset that can accrue value to the investor. And one of the biggest ways that you accrue value with land is by renting out your land because land is limited and a lot of people don't have enough capital to purchase land, but they still want to have a retail store or live on that land and use that for their own purposes. Well, now you can do that in Decentraland by renting out land in Decentraland and then turning it into whatever you want to do. And the exact mechanics of this essentially are all on chain. So you rent it for a specific amount of time. It's one day to 365 days currently. You pick the amount of days you want to rent it. You do it on chain. You pay upfront for the land rental. The owner of the land sets the price. You pay upfront for it. And then you have access to that land. And what Decentraland is doing is they are also at the same time putting you in touch with developers that can help you build a experience on that land, build an activation on that land. So it's really I hope, interesting. I hope it's permissionless because I just bought land, an apartment in Toronto. And in order for me to rent my land out, I got to go to the, the, the city government and get approval. And they have to give me some numbers so that I can go and plug that into Airbnb. And so I don't even know if I'm allowed to do it or not. It's my land. So shit pisses me right off. So let's hope that the way they're doing it is permissionless because this sucks. All right, what's next? <laughs> All right, next up, Web3 EdTech platform. Metaschool grows to 120,000 developers in just 11 months. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So basically what this is, is that is 120,000 developers that are learning about both Web3 and kind of metaverse stuff. But what's interesting is the most popular of them all, which is the Ethereum learning track, has seen over 30,000 developers enrolled in its courses in that time. Pretty amazing to see. Of course, we need devs. We've been saying this for a while. And what's really cool is in this bear market, the dev numbers are still going up. And, and this is why we need people, more people learning this stuff because we got a lot, a lot to build. So thankful for Metaschool for bringing in these people and teaching them the ways. We need more of it. All right. Next up, Time Pieces partners with Deepak Chopra for new NFT collection. Yeah, it's super exciting. I mean, Time has really just been a leader in the space from the beginning. And one of the ways that they've been such a great leader is by using their media platform to partner with other creators and co-launch NFT collections. And we've seen them do this many times with different creators and even with cities. They did a, they did a launch with Miami where they launched some NFTs around Miami's art scene. So really cool things. Deepak Chopra, famous author in the spiritual space, a real leader in helping the, I think he's probably got, if you went to the personal help section of a, of a bookstore, he's probably got the most books hmm. in that section. And basically this is a NFT collection that will celebrate his best-selling book, the 25th anniversary of his best-selling book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And so there will be 73 NFT artists who create unique book cover art for that book. And they'll sell these off as an NFT collection. So this is an art collection. This isn't a utility-based collection. Although we'll see in the future, I think we all know, there is always potential for utility with this. Whereas if you sold art the web two-way, you can't add utility in later because you can't reach those 
those owners, but this way you can. So yeah, very simple and exciting to see more large, large names come to the space. And obviously I think Deepak Chopra is somebody this is going to onboard a lot of new people because his audience is certainly not the web three native audience. Okay. Uniswap to allow users to buy crypto using debit and credit cards. Yeah, so this is an integration with MoonPay and goes off of, we've talked the last few weeks now, it seems they're all happening at one time. This is how the space works. You had MetaMask, which integrated with PayPal. We had the Stripe widgets, which are now allowed on kind of any website. Now we have MoonPay integrating into Uniswap. And what this means is, again, you get to skip centralized exchanges and you can just move money directly from your bank account, your credit card, and put it right into crypto and immediately start using Web3 applications. This is exactly what we need. Obviously, it's a shit show in the centralized exchange world. So we need more of this. And I mean, Uniswap is by far the most used DEX decentralized exchange in the space. And so now you can immediately get money in there. It's amazing. Okay, last up, new Ugolab CEO. Who is it, Jay? Yeah, so Daniel Alger, Algar, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name, has moved over. The, the great migration continues <laughs> to happen of human capital from Web 2 to Web 3. So... Daniel was the COO and president of Activision Blizzard. Activision is one of the largest gaming companies in the world. And he is moving over from there to become the CEO of Yuga Labs, which owns Board Ape Yacht Club and CryptoPunks and MeBits and is really the largest player in the space. This is a prediction that we actually made for 2023 is that we would see more human capital moving. And here we are. We haven't even finished the year and we're seeing one of, I mean, a huge name in the space that's moving over and also a big name in gaming with his experience in gaming. It's an interesting signal to the focus of Yuga Labs. The current CEO of Yuga Labs, Nicole Muniz, is stepping down as CEO, but is going to stay on as a partner and strategic advisor. So she's not leaving. I mean, Yuga Labs just keeps on making big moves despite the fact that most of the news about them is them being sued by, you know, a class action lawsuit against them. The SEC is looking into their ape coin. So despite all of that, you got some massive name moving over and putting his chips into the Web3 world. And last week's big move over was Keith Grossman going from time mm-hmm. over to MoonPay mm-hmm. and MoonPay is the other one getting sued. So it's, it's crazy that we're in this, you know, this wild market, this bear market where everything is falling apart. And still the smartest people in the world and these big names are still coming into this space. So it makes me bullish on, a, on, a, on 2023 and on Web3 in general. What an episode, Jay. That's our final one of the year. I mean, not the final one you all will listen to, but the final one that Jay and I are going to record. What a, what a year. What a year. Way to go, Kai. Pat in the back. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Enjoy some time with your family. Celebrate. Hug your loved ones. It's been a wonderful year and let's look forward to next year. Can't wait to see you in 2023. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.